grateful to be with you. I bring you greetings from Waterbury Seminary in town, uh, and uh, from President Kristen Largen and others there. And I um, express gratefulness for the ways that uh, this community has been a church home for our students of the years, or people doing field work and other things, and for just being ecumenical partners with us in the purposes of the gospel here in town. So I'm grateful for that. I, uh, I confess, by way of true confession, this is only my second time in the building. I'm kind of shaming that for the love of the facility. But the other time was uh, here this past November when our president was installed in this facility as well. And um, in fact, when earlier, considering from where I would preach this morning, whether on the floor or other places or up here, I said, ooh, that's where the bishop of the ELCA preached. I want to preach there, so yeah, I am gratefully with you this morning in the name of Jesus. Grace and peace to you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Two roads diverged in the yellow road. A famous poem by Robert Frost begins. It reflects a length upon which of two paths to take. And it closes this way. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diverged in a wood and I. I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. In our Gospel reading, that just a bit ago by Mother Susan, Jesus is traveling to Jerusalem when he faces two roads that diverge before him. One, that would allow obstacles to redirect his course to more comfortable paths. And another, that would stick, have him stick to the path he believed God had called him to come what may. Two roads diverged on the way to Jerusalem, just as they often do in our own lives. In the story, it takes place on the way to Jerusalem. As Jesus enters and exits one town after another in Luke's Gospel, distinctive to Luke's version of the story, Jesus takes an entire ten chapters to make this journey, compared to two or three chapters in Mark or Matthew's versions. In the words of one commentator, Jesus spends a lot of time traveling but doesn't seem to get anywhere very fast. But he offers his most memorable teaching on discipleship on the way. For Luke's Gospel, discipleship is a journey, one that does not leave us unchanged. One moment, please. There we go. Our story is a bit of a turning point on the journey. Jesus has already set his face to go to Jerusalem, but our story pauses momentarily before revisiting that course with two potential obstacles in front of Jesus. First, King Herod Antipas, who has interest in getting rid of Jesus. Second, the ill omen Jesus speaks about Jerusalem, a city known for killing its prophets sent by God. Incidentally, um, the Pharisees, although negatively characterized in many places of the Gospels, as far as we know, may have meant well in this passage. 
Because after all, Herod probably did have interest in getting rid of Jesus. And there were safer paths than the ones he was traveling. There are good reasons for Jesus to stay home, to stay put, and to stay quiet. That is path number one. Interestingly, in the story, there is a clash of three different wants or desires. The little Greek word, phileo, meaning want or desire, showed up three times. First, Herod wants to kill Jesus. Second, Jerusalem does not want to receive Jesus. Third, Jesus wants to gather God's children together like a hen gathers chicks under her wings. In the face of these three, it's Jesus' desire, which reflects God's own, that stays the course to continue to Jerusalem come what may. That is the second path, if you will, the one less traveled, which Jesus takes. Our story today makes me ponder how our own lives are very much like journeys, are they not? Journeys of following Jesus toward our destination, but at the same time, learning and growing on the way. And like Jesus, we often find diverging paths in front of us in the form of choices, conflicting loyalties, roadblocks, and tests of faith. Sometimes we face voices telling us to turn back or give up or take a different path. Sometimes we face obstacles or roadblocks to doing what we believe God would have us do. Sometimes we are not clear at all of what we're facing, but we plod on not knowing whether we're going the right way or we're not. During my graduate studies, there came a time when most of my peers were seeking teaching jobs. And I, meanwhile, had a, I'd long had a sense of call to, to be a pastor, to engage in congregational ministry. I had gone right from seminary to graduate study, so I hadn't done it right. My doctoral advisor brought a teaching job opening to my attention at a small college with which she had connections. She asked if I was interested. She could help me out, or at least put in a good word for me, if I was. And I deliberated, talked with a lot of people, prayed. Didn't tell my in-laws, though, because they would not have been impressed. It was in North Carolina, not close to where they lived. But after a week of laborious discernment, I realized suddenly I could not take this off or go that direction. However clear and sort of nice it seemed, I was called to be a pastor, full stop. I told my doctor advisor, and I never felt so happy upon sending an email in all of my years. I skipped down the hall after doing it. Instead of that teaching job, which another friend of another advisee of hers, gone, I was ordained within the year and served in a congregation where I needed to be and spent the next five years of my life. Whatever our life's journey, it's often less a clear-cut path from point A to point B than it is like wandering in the fog. Points of clarity come, but they are rare as opposed to frequent. 
Lent, this liturgical season in which we find ourselves, is a season of spiritual spring cleaning. And uh, Father Kevin has told me some questions this community is pondering is, what things need to be swept out of the house of your life? What things need to be brought in the house of your life? And what things need organized in the house of your life? I want to suggest this, that the things that need sweeping out of our lives are the things that become obstacles to our discerning and following the path Jesus has called us to. The things that need bringing into our lives, conversely, are the things that help us discern and follow the path Jesus has called us to. So what things become obstacles to your following the path of Jesus? Workaholism, social media obsession, need for control, need to be right, practices that are self-destructive or harmful, unhealthy thinking, consumeristic thinking, some ideas. Henry Nowen points out that things like success or popularity or power are misleading to our following the path of Jesus, not because they're bad things, but because they tempt us to think that we may find our ultimate worth in them. And we are terribly mistaken. What things that supports and help you to follow the path of Jesus? Community? Worship, practices of generosity, prayer, scripture, conversation with friends, or other resources that support you. The path of Jesus, in one season of our lives, may not be the same path to which he calls us in another. Often the path more traveled is the one that appears more comfortable and convenient, whereas the path less traveled entails risk, risking more than, well, risking things that are unknown. But as Thomas Merton once pointed out, the biggest human temptation is to settle for too little. As we continue our journeys, let us realize two things. First, you and I don't go alone. Whether you realize it or not, whether you can identify or put your finger at it or not, Jesus has both called you to this journey and goes with you on this journey to the end of the road. One of the most tangible signs of that is the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper. I think about the way for Martin Luther, the Eucharist, or the Lord's Supper, function. In the ups and downs of his own life experience, the ups and downs of his faith journey, the ups and downs of his, his belief in God and his seeming despair of whether he had faith in God, the Eucharist, along with baptism, became a tangible sign, a tangible act, a tangible practice outside of his own ups and downs, emotions and feelings, outside of the turmoil within himself, to simply receive the gift of God in Jesus Christ. A tangible sign, a tangible uh, event, if you will, where we receive the forgiveness and grace of God in Christ. It says, 
You are forgiven, you are loved, you are mine. We're not alone in this journey. Like the travelers on the road to Emmaus, we might not realize it until the journey's over, but the Jesus about whom we speak is a lot closer than we may think. Second, even if you don't take the path less traveled, the seemingly right path, your journey isn't over or even halted necessarily. Most of Jesus' followers, closest followers in the New Testament, made bad choices. And they did it a lot. And Jesus believed in them still. Sometimes, in fact, the bad choices we make cause our journey to be richer, even if not necessarily easier. The question is not whether we take the right path. It's really the extent to which we embrace the presence of the one who is the path and the way in our travels, that is, Jesus the Christ. Whether the path more traveled or less traveled, Christ goes with us. Let's not forget in our story, the story is ultimately about a Jesus who refuses to give up on his people. Obstacles and things come one way. He keeps on coming. He keeps on going to God's people in Jerusalem. So he does to us. Jesus keeps on showing up. Welcome or not, whether we receive him or not, whether we realize he's there or not, he keeps on coming. No matter the path we take, this Jesus comes to us, travels with us, and leads us on. The story comes to my mind, thinking about it, the day that my wife and I were married, towards evening time, we drove to where we would spend the night um, for the start of our honeymoon on the north shore of Lake Superior, northern Minnesota. We were going to Grand Marais. And, uh, but on en route, of course, it became dark and a dense fog came in. To the extent we had to pull over. My choices were either to drive about five or ten miles per hour, which itself is kind of dangerous, or to drive faster and run a high risk of hitting something on the road. This was my wedding night. I wanted it to end well. So we pulled off, really not knowing what we were going to do, about 45 minutes drive under normal conditions from our destination. And I remember praying and wondering and not being sure how we would go on or what we would do. Suddenly, a truck came, like a semi-truck, one of those big ones. And I told my wife to get the car. As soon as it passed, we got behind it. I don't know what kind of fog lights that thing had, but it was able to drive at a pretty good pace. And we could follow it all the way to our destination, which we did. The truck became, if you will, a tangible, Reminder of the way the presence of God comes to us when we least expect it and leads us through the fog. No matter the path we take, this Jesus comes to us, travels with us, and leads us on as we receive the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper. Let us, above all else, receive Christ to reorganize our lives and lead us forth in faith. I want to conclude with a prayer 
composed by Thomas Merton. It's somewhat well known because it's a goodie. Let us pray. My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. Nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I'm doing. I hope that I'll never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen.